Welcome to the So Much More Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Amy. We've been married for almost 24 years. We have four kids. We live in the Dominican Republic. We're missionaries. We're both educators, have pastored together. And love mentoring others. Oh, and we love sharing our story. Join us for this real talk about how to get more out of this thing called life. Well, hey, welcome to episode 10 of the So Much More podcast. This is still our series, Missionaries of the Caribbean. I can't believe we've made it to episode 10. This has been such a great experience for Amy and me, and we've enjoyed sharing the stories of our friends and colleagues here in the Dominican Republic. We hope, and we hope they've been encouraging to you, that you've enjoyed hearing their story and just how steps of obedience along the way has led them to great places and opportunities to serve. And the whole point of this series is to encourage you in your own life, whatever it looks like for you. It, it certainly won't be the same as being a missionary in the Dominican Republic, but it could be something else. It is something else that God is leading you towards and how to take those steps and be encouraged along the way. So I'm so excited. This episode, I'm being joined by my friend Ryan Ryan Van Arsdalen is the principal of our school here in the Dominican Republic. Him and his wife, Courtney, have been here for just almost three years, and it's been such a pleasure to get to know them. They have three beautiful daughters, Ava, Adele, and Elise, and you'll hear some of the story uh, as Ryan shares in a minute. They are originally from Circleville, Ohio. It's a small town in the center and the heart of America, uh, Ryan has been serving as our principal here for the last two school years. Courtney also serves on our staff as our TRIPS coordinator. So as we have teams that come every summer and really throughout the year to serve with us, Courtney is responsible for all the logistics of getting people from another place on a plane onto the onto the island here and then back home safely again. She does such a great job with that and, and really has served in so many ways just to support the work of Macarius. So... We're excited to be part of the team with them. They both, I'm telling you, they both have extensive backgrounds and careers in education, including advanced degrees and so much valuable experience that it is a joy and a privilege for Macarius uh, to be blessed with the Van Arsdalen family. And so we're just excited to share their story with you. Ryan's joining me, and he's going to speak for his family and really tell you what God has been doing in their lives and how they got here and encourage you along the way with your faith. So let's get right to it. Hey, welcome, Ryan, to the podcast. How you doing? Hey, I'm having a great evening, Scott. How are you? Man, we're doing great. Thanks for joining us. I am so excited to hear your story. You've shared this with us, and I love it so much. I thought, man, we've got to share this story with other people. It'll encourage them. I know that uh, you and Courtney's story is your unique story. It's the story that God has woven together for you. And I can't wait to hear it. Um, how's everything going, by the way, with the curfew? You guys locked in for the evening? Yes, we are in. We're grateful to have a couple of extra hours of freedom, but we are doing great and enjoying time as a family. Awesome. All right. So I've introduced you a little bit. Uh, let's jump in. The first question really talks about how did you know? So, so basically just kind of recap your story and talk about Courtney as well, your wife. She wasn't able to join us, but, but I want you to you know, tell us 
what God was doing in your 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 story and hers and kind of how all that came together to put you right here on the island in the Dominican Republic. So give us a snapshot of, of that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to back you up before um, Courtney and I were married. We've been married for almost 15 years now. And we were having one of those conversations as we were dating and maybe engaged um, that what, are we, what is life going to look like? And I came to this conversation pretty scared because I love our little hometown where we're from, little farming community. And I could have lived there for the rest of my life and been just fine. Courtney loves to travel, loves to get out and see the world. So I came to the conversation and I kind of timidly said, well, I think one day I'm going to get called into missions. And Courtney came into the same conversation and she was so excited. And she said, oh my goodness, that is fantastic. I think I'm going to get called into missions. So we had this, we were saying the same words, but it was just from two different points of view. Um, Move on. We get married. um, We're just doing our thing. And Courtney is looking online through the years, um, and she comes back to me numerous times in our early married years. I'm, I was teaching math at a local middle school and said, Ryan, these um, Christian schools overseas need principals. Every time I look up what a missionary does, I'll be honest, we didn't even know what missionaries did. We <laughs> thought that we might do that one day. Um, so she would come back and say that. So one day I went to my superintendent and I said, hey, would you mind sending me back to school to get my principal's license? And he said, sure, no problem. I'd be glad to. So went back, um, got that. Didn't really have any use for it at the time. Just sat on it for a while. Um, one summer, Courtney went with our church that we were going to uh, for a week-long mission trip to El Salvador. And she came back. I was sure that she knew I'd have my, I, I had my summers off. And so she said, Ryan, we're going to El Salvador next summer. I said, oh, great. Sounds fantastic. She said, we're going to go down there for a month. I said, oh, no. I said, I said I'll, we can get down there for two weeks. And she said, okay, great. She said, we'll go for six weeks. And I said, no, no, no. Um, I will go for a month. And she said, okay, it's settled. We'll go for eight weeks. Oh, what a negotiator. Said, yeah, she's very good at negotiating. And I said, okay. You can go for eight weeks. And our daughter, Ava, was three at the time. And I said, Ava and I will come down for six weeks. And so we did settle there. So Courtney left and went down two weeks early. And we get down there. And Courtney is at a prayer meeting one night. And at the prayer meeting, an El Salvadoran man was praying over some people. And he came over to Courtney. And he prayed over her that one day she would be ministering to Haitian immigrants in the Dominican Republic. And I have to be honest here, I did not even know that Haiti and the Dominican Republic were an island. I knew nothing about, are there even Haitian immigrants in the Dominican Republic? I I don't know. But we knew that it was a very specific prayer, uh, and so we we took it to heart. We didn't have any idea what it meant, had no context for it. So we come back home, and we we never felt called to go back to El Salvador. But um, about a year and a half later, an alumni magazine arrives to our house. Um, it was addressed to me, and it was a university that we had never been to, at the University of Cedarville. And I was going to throw it away, but Courtney saw me headed through the house with the magazine. She said, oh, I saw the picture on the front of that magazine. I'd like to read the, the article. I'd like to read that article. I said, that's fine. So I sat on the coffee table. And so unknown to me, Courtney is reading this article. She reads this article about a little ministry down in the Dominican Republic, and it's called Macarios, and it's a school. 
And so Courtney gets online and she looks up the Macarius website. She finds out they are a Dominican school, but they serve Haitian immigrants. So she's getting excited because now it's connecting. Uh, she goes to the employment page where they're got job postings for missionaries and they are looking to hire a principal. And so she comes and she is just beaming to tell me what she has found. Um, and I am in disbelief. I just think there is no way that this is actually happening. Um, so I call up the Macarios office in Austin, Texas. And I say, hey, my name's Ryan. I said, uh, my wife and I and our daughter, we would like to come down and we'd like to check out your ministry in the Dominican Republic. And we come to find out it was actually the third day on the job for this, this gal I was talking to and so she puts me on hold. She comes back. She says, well, we don't really do that. She says, um, we don't accept families to come down and just serve by themselves. What we do is we do team ministry. I said, well, okay, tell me a little bit about that. She said, well, you put a team together and you have to have X number of people and you can come down and minister with us. I said, okay, well, let's talk about the timeline. It was January at that point in time. She said, well, we're booked up this year, but you are welcome to come down next year. So okay, doing the math in my head. I say, thank you. And I hang up the phone and I walk out to our living room and I can still picture Courtney sitting on our red couch. I say, uh, Hey court, I talked to them and they said that they don't really accept families to come down, but we can put together a team and they're booked up this year. So we're talking about 18 months out. We can go down there on a trip and Courtney in all seriousness looks at me. She says, it's so strange that you called them and told them you were interested in a job that they had posted and they told you to wait 18 months and bring a team of people with you. And I said, oh, I totally forgot to mention that I was interested in the job. So she says, well, you're going to call them back. And I said, well, I'm going to call them back. So here I am. It's three minutes later. I'm calling this gal back in Austin, Texas. Hey, uh, this is Ryan. We just talked like three minutes ago. Hey, there was one detail that I forgot to mention to you. And that is I'm a, I'm a principal in Ohio and I'm actually interested in your um, your opening that you have as a principal in the DR. She's, oh my goodness, hold on, hold on a second. She puts me on hold again, comes right back. She says, you got to come down here right now. And so I said, oh, I said, my how things change. No, I was just joking with her. So it was good. And we, um, so we scheduled a trip for that summer. The three of us went down, uh, Courtney, Ava, and I, we were, we just fell in love with Everything that was going on, Macarios, staff, Mac House, all the kids, just everything was going well. And we were there for two weeks. And I get to the end of the, the two weeks and I say, look, I say, Court, I, I cannot just stop everything that we are doing back home and move my family, our family down here on just warm fuzzies. It's just not enough for me. And anybody else looking at this story says, well, look at all the things that have happened before. I wasn't thinking of that at that time. I, I said, I need to hear from the Lord. So I remember Courtney and Ava stayed there in the room. And I said, I'm just going to go out and just talk to God. And I, I just need to hear, I just need to hear from him. And so I went out that night and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what to do. I just kind of laid it all at his feet and just said, God, I, everything is going so well in Ohio. Why would we, why would we leave? I don't, I have my dream job. I, I don't understand. And so um, there was not an audible voice that night, but God spoke to my heart that night. And he asked me two questions. And he said, Ryan, have you ever felt comfortable about the idea of missions before? And I said, no, I have not. He asked me a second question. He said, Ryan, do you now? And I said, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. He said, my peace 
in your heart because I want you to move down here. And so I went back to the room and I told Courtney and Ava at that time uh, what had happened. And so we, we came back home and I called back down to Austin, Texas. I said, I said, okay, I, I would like to apply for that job. We went down and did the trip. I said, I'd like to apply for that job you had. And they said, great, go ahead and apply. I said, well, there's, there's one little caveat here. I said, we are fostering two little girls and we were called to them first. And we think that we're going to adopt them. And so I'm, I want to apply for this job, but I want to tell you, this could be about a two-year process to adopt these two girls. And I said, well, go ahead and apply and just see what happens. So I apply and I go through the interviews and we get to the end. And a couple weeks later, they call me back and they say, Ryan, we'd like to offer you the job. And I said, okay, well, that's great. Thank you so much. Glad to be on board. Um, the problem is that was about two months ago when we last talked uh, about this situation. And it's, it, I'm still looking to adopt these. We are still looking to adopt these two little girls and it's going to be about 22 months. And they said, well, uh, actually we talked to the gal who's the principal down there now. And she said, she'll wait. Okay. Well, there you go. That's kind of rare that you say, Hey, I'll take a job. Well, first of all, they offer you a job. You take a job and then you wait for two years. Like that's just, it's not the normal, you know, thing, but Hey, again, part of your story. So sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. No, that was a great interruption, and you're exactly right. It's very rare. I, I just have to chuckle now. It was, it was all God all the way, so lots of fun. So literally uh, 22 months later, almost to the day, we adopted these two little girls. Uh, within 30 days, my wife has their new birth certificates and passports, and we literally 30 days after the adoption, we landed here on Dominican soil, uh, and it's been the ride of our lives. Um, so we've been here three years now. Man, I love this story. Every time you tell it, it's like the goosebump kind of thing. That's the it's the prayer in El Salvador. It's the alumni magazine that should never have been in your ma- mailbox. It's the the waiting two years. It's the phone call to Austin, Texas, of like, hey, we're kind of interested, and they're like, eh, no thanks, and oh yeah, I forgot to tell them. I mean, it's just it's a classic. I love it. Such an en- encouragement as you look at all of those steps along the. Oh, by the way, one thing that I. I, I got to laugh at is all the interviews we've done so far with our missionary staff. Everybody has said the same thing, which was, I don't think I even knew where the Dominican Republic was on a map. <laughs> now I was going to blame that on, uh, because everybody so far has been, uh, has been Texans and you guys are, you know, the Ohio folks. And I thought maybe it was some kind of deficit in Texas <laughs> geography class that nobody knew where this Island was, but it makes me feel better that it's not just the Texas folks that don't know. It's just a common thing. Probably people listening to this don't realize where the Dominican Republic is and that it is sharing an island with Haiti. So you're in good company because nobody even recognized that when they decided to start working here. So anyway, so, okay. So lots of things in your story stuck out. Talk about this in the context of, obedience, the, the point where you go outside and have this conversation with the Lord, the, the steps along the way where you can look back now and say, yes, that was, that was a step of obedience. We, we couldn't see really beyond that next moment, that next step, but we trusted God and we made it. And now, you, now as the story's woven together, you look back and you can see those things a little bit more clearly. Yeah. So talk about the idea of obedience to you. What does that look like uh, in this story, what does it look like in your life? And uh, and then point out anything, maybe something that Courtney would share too about just the topic of obedience in your lives. 
Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I know one phrase that my wife has around the house, um, Courtney, with our daughters, with in our marriage, uh, with the, any of her friends or uh, anybody she comes into contact with. She, in our house, we say Van Arsdalens can do hard things. We can do hard things. So that is her way of saying, you know, what God calls us to isn't always easy, uh, but we can do it. Um, and so that is that would be uh, Courtney's input here or one of them. Um, when I think about obedience, um, I, I think about it in a, in a couple of different ways. I think about if my boss, you know, were to ask me to do something, I, I, I want to be compliant with, to the will of my boss. Now I feel like I can question my boss if I'm not in agreement. I also feel like I'm not above changing my mind. If, if my boss has good reason, then I can, I can be obedient. I can be compliant. I, I can do the thing and accomplish the task. Uh, when I think about uh, obedience to my heavenly father, my heavenly dad, um, I just think about being compliant with his will. I think I need so much sound reasoning, I would say, and the things that you referenced, Scott, you know, going off of the magazine and uh, visiting El Salvador, um, you know, visiting the DR for the trip and talking to the Lord. I don't think that I need to um, have sound reasoning from him. So it's a little bit different than with my, say, an earthly boss here, but I just need to know that it aligns with the Bible and everything that he was asking us to do aligned with what he calls believers to be. So that is what I think of when I think of obedience. All right. Connect that idea with as a father, right? Think of, think of obedience and and you're, you're the first of this series uh, as we've interviewed our our colleagues here, the first that's a, a dad. The first uh, okay. uh, missionary couple here on the on the island that we're interviewing. So, uh, add a little bit of context for from a family standpoint as a dad. Uh, the level how, how you teach and expect obedience in in the home. Like, how does it play out in your family life and relate that to you mentioned? You know, your heavenly father, your spiritual dad um, in your life. How does obedience look like? daily with with your kids and how does what has that taught you as you kind of think about man my relationship with my dad ought to be the same and what I expect from my girls is the same as what he's expecting from me so talk about that for a sec that was that was a question to unpack that was a great question um I the first thing that comes to mind is typically when I'm asking for obedience it is to um kind of advance our family so if it's to clean up room and so we don't have a messy house, messy house. If it's to clean up the dinner table, it's so that mom can take a break after making a delicious dinner. If it's, Hey, don't ride too close to that bridge side over there. That doesn't have any rails uh, here as we go behind our neighborhood. Uh, I'm doing it for their safety. So I'm just thinking here, even if my daughters can't see that cleaning up their room actually leads to a nice house, or even if they can't see that doing those dishes allows mom to sit down for a few minutes at the end of the day, and even if they can't see the danger that's in front of them, um, I am expecting obedience from them because it's really either for the good of themselves or for the good of others. So just as I reflect on the way that you posed it here, and when he's asking for obedience, he's got bigger plans. He, his ways are, are much higher than our ways. One of my favorite um, quotes, uh, a buddy of mine often reminds me of this. And it's often when I'm going through, if it's a difficult day or if I have to make a difficult decision or share hard news with somebody, share bad news, um, he, will, he will ask me, Ryan, what makes you think that this is all about you? How could you be so selfish? 
I just think, ouch. Um, but <laughs> a lot of a times friend? obedience with God. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a best friend. He's a great friend. I, I need a guy like that in my life. Um, but the point is that when God is at, when God asks me to leave everything, asked us to leave everything, our family, our friends, every memory, everything we've ever known, our house, every holiday, when he asks us to leave every birthday, every weekend visit to grandma's house, when he asks us to leave all that behind and come here, who am I to be so selfish to thwart anything that he is planning um, for something that I think is for my good uh, when he ultimately knows? He knows what his kingdom needs to continue advancing. Um, and so it's, it's my job to be obedient. It's not my job to think, well, I want to ride close to that bridge and I, I can do it and stay safe. Or I don't need to clean up my room at night. It, it's okay if it's messy. That's not my place in his kingdom. My, my place is to say, okay, dad, you asked me to do it. I'm in. Man, you hit on it exactly. I think the it goes back to what you said. It, it goes back to kind of this idea, this relationship. It goes back to the nature of the Lord and himself, his character. Like, man, he is my heavenly father. Just as you put those boundaries or you have expectations for your girls, is it's out of a desire to advance your family. And it's out, it's coming from a place of love, right? And it's man, I love you so much that I want this for you, or I need you to do these things, even though you can't see it. And it's the same with the Lord. It's like, man, everything's coming from a source of his love for us. And that love calls us to obedience because he does have a path for us to take. There is something, there there is a blessedness uh, that he wants us to enjoy each day of walking with him, but it requires us to listen. It requires us to trust him and obey him. And so... Man, I love the way you put that, and I think your friend has some had some good advice. And it's it is hard sometimes <laughs> to remember. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's what is it that the Lord uh, wants for me and through me. Um, so think about this obedience thing some more. So how has either this particular act of obedience in terms of moving your family from Ohio to the Dominican Republic, or or just your experiences with obedience as you look at your whole journey with the Lord? What, how has it changed the way you follow Jesus, the, the idea of obedience versus disobedience, the idea of uh, faith and trust in the Lord that, man, it can, it can revolutionize the way you encounter Christ. It can revolutionize the way you walk with Him. How, how has that impacted you, this journey for you, and then maybe some things even before this that have helped you grow in your faith? Okay, good question. Um, I feel like one of the, one of the best ways to answer it is I have a deeper understanding that he will carry me through no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, he's also taught me that he's not looking at my abilities. If he was looking for abilities, he would have chosen somebody who wanted to cross cultures. He would have chosen somebody who was already an expert in Spanish to send to a place where they only speak Spanish. Instead, he found a guy who it was going to, it did totally rock his world to move cultures. And it was life-changing to have to learn how to speak another language for the first time ever. Um, I think that he had some wisdom in it. He was creating more dependence on him. I I feel like I lean more on him now. I I think of just a lot of mornings, 
uh, I spend time with my heavenly dad. And, and I'm literally just talking to him like this. Well, dad, I have no idea what to do in this situation that I'm going to face today. If I already know what's coming, you know, there's a meeting or something that's happening. I have no idea what I'm going to do. But I know that you do. You know what the right answer is. So would you just bring me into alignment with what you are thinking? And there have been a lot of times he has answered that prayer. There have been a lot of times I've told people, wow, guys, I, I would have never thought of that answer on my own. But God brought it. There, there are some meetings, like before I go into meetings, I'll say a prayer. Or even sometimes in the middle of a meeting, I'll realize we're in too deep and we have no idea where to go. And sometimes it's after the meeting and we all kind of sit back and we think, oh my goodness, where are we going to go with this decision afterwards? I or we will pray and just, God, we have no idea what to do in this matter. We are completely incapable of doing this. There is no clearly correct answer, uh, but we do want to bring you glory through this situation. And we want to make a decision that honors you. So would you please direct us? Uh, there, there are also times when the answer doesn't seem so clear. The aha moment never arrives. I, I feel like I lay in bed sometimes at night and I think, well, God, I, I'm sure I didn't do everything right today. I did do the best that I could. And I followed you at every moment that I could. And then there's always specific moments where I didn't. So I confess uh, my selfishness and I apologize and I ask for forgiveness. But there are, there, there are times when it's not answered and we just, we just do the best that we can. So to answer your question, how has this act of obedience changed how I follow Jesus? I, I lean on him more. I realize that I am not capable to do, to do this. It's not my strength. It's, it's not like I found something that I was really good at it, really good at, and then went chasing after it. It was a recognition that he was calling us into this. I was completely under-equipped for the job, but I went anyways. And because of my weakness, he can show up in really big ways. Hey, that's a great lesson. That's a, that's a lesson that a lot of people don't learn um, at such a young age as you. So, man, I give you, I know the credit is to the Lord, but you have your experience through this and Courtney as well and your girls um, it's a it's a testament to God's faithfulness. It's a testament to hey, you know we we don't know what's coming, and what's coming may be very very difficult and unexpected, and the hardest thing we've ever had to do. But we together are learning to trust Him, and the impact that it's had on your own relationship, and and the way honestly that that I get to see you lead with such humility of saying hey. I don't necessarily know what the best thing in the situation is, but God has put some amazing people together on a team here and gifted us all in different ways. And if we trust them and put our heads together and pray a lot, he will reveal something and we'll, we'll know at least what the next step is and, and trust them with the next one after. And so I think that comes out. I think the impact that it's had on you personally uh, comes out in the way that you lead your team. And so I encourage you with that. I know all glory to God, but man, Ryan, it's evident in your life that your walk with the Lord has grown. And this, just the experience of being here and leading your family and leading the team has really impacted uh, those around you. And you, you exude that every day. And so that's an encouragement, even though you don't get it right every day at every moment, but and overall, it's a privilege to have you and 
and and have you leading a team of people who who respect that and can see the evidence of that. So, thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Sure. Um, anything else you've learned about Ryan? Something that it doesn't have to be a spiritual thing necessarily, but man, something about moving here, doing something you never expected, learning the language, whatever it is, something that you've learned about yourself that you didn't realize back in Ohio was was there, or maybe something that has been uncovered or something you've learned that surprises you? Uh, what have I learned about myself? That is a great question. Um, I'm going to go back to my friend's, uh, my friend's comment. And, and he says, you know, how can you be so selfish to think it's all about you? This is what I've learned about myself. I've learned about myself that it's not about me. I'm living somewhere I never thought I would live. I'm working for an organization I'd never heard of. And I've moved my wife and children away from everything we've ever known. This has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the big story that God is writing. And we, Courtney and I, consider ourselves blessed that he has chosen to get us up off the bench and get us into the game with him. Yeah, that's great, yeah. man. Again, a great encouragement. I, I look at that stupid home inspecting thing I did, man, and it didn't matter if it was home inspecting or cleaning out septic systems. He, he didn't care. He just needed to move me out of education so that I could see this missionary thing coming. I, if I was a state of teacher, I would have never seen it. So that's why I say it's just not about me. It's just about doing what he says to do. It's about being obedient. So you talk about the home inspecting thing. This was something you didn't share in your story. So in between your decision to pursue missions, you left your job as a teacher and and filled a couple of years there with with the business. You ran a business, a home inspection business yeah. in time, you know, kind of waiting that time before you guys moved here. So how long was that that you did that? Yeah, let me back that up just a little bit to tell you this. This is a funny and just uh, just another just God story. Um, so we hadn't found out about Macarios yet. I had my dream job. I was teaching fourth grade math all day long. I didn't have to teach anything else. But I just had this urge inside of me. I felt like God was saying, you need to quit your job. And I was literally saying, God, you've got to be kidding me. I am doing my dream job. And I remember going to my pastor, my pastor Aaron, uh, one day, and I, I asked him to go to the coffee shop with me. And uh, so we met there and he, and he said, Ryan, I wish I could show you this. He put out his hand and he kind of like touched the, the, the palm into the hand. And he said, you're here. And then he put his hand, hand down by the fingers and he said, God wants to get you here. So it was like a long jump. And he said, but God's got to get you here first. And he put his finger in the middle. And the point was, Ryan, it's okay, it's okay to quit your job if God is calling you to do it, because he's got something else for you to see, but you've got to leave where you're at now to be able to see it. And so I went in and I told my principal that I wasn't going to be coming back next year. It was over Christmas break. I went in and told her that. Uh, and I remember going in the next Sunday morning, uh, next Sunday at church, I told my pastor, I said, Hey, I just told my job. I just told my job. I'm not coming back next year. So I excited to see what God has next. But, um, so that to say, then we found out about Macarios. And so there was this two year window, maybe a little bit more than two years with the adoption where I had left teaching and we knew we were going to end up in the DR. So I needed to hold it over with something. And so God laid it on my heart to start this home inspection business. And so that is what we filled the gap with. Yeah. I love that story because I've, I've done the same. I've gone into a job and said, Hey, uh, I'm quitting. Oh, okay. Well, what are you going to do? Not so sure. 
And the look no on the face of the principal or my boss at the time, a pastor, and the friends around you or families are like, are you serious? What are you thinking, man? You have, sure. you have a family. You got a good job. It's stable. You got a paycheck. I mean, you got mortgage. You got all that. And you're going to really do that? And yeah. the, fa- the the looks on people's faces is, oh, I, I would never have faith to do that. And I was always like, yeah, I... I don't see it necessarily. Yeah, I know there is a step of faith in there, but it wasn't to me like jumping off a cliff blindfolded. It wasn't as if I, I felt like it was yeah. dangerous or stupid. It was just, like you said, it's that next step to get where God's taking you. And and he yeah. shows up in those moments. He shows up and he provides and he confirms, hey, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. Now I got the next thing. Get ready for it. And uh, yeah, I love that. That's a great part of your story. Um, all right, so talk real quick to anybody that's listening that may be thinking, oh, man, you know, God's been tugging on my heart. Maybe this is something that he planted in their heart a long time ago about serving overseas, but now, you know, life has gone on. You've got a wife, a husband, family, career, and the cool thing about the stories of our missionaries here in the DR is that some have come here directly out of college, and we have some of us who had other careers, and this is a second or third career. And so talk about that for a second. Maybe somebody that's listening that's a married couple or parents of children thinking, ah, I don't know if I can, uh, man, maybe we're past that point. Maybe the season is gone to where God would call us to something. How, as a couple, as parents of young children, like, what could you say to encourage somebody to say, hey, maybe God could be calling you to this, and here's a perspective from the field of a married couple. So anything you would share to the audience about what it's like as a married couple, uh, any any unique challenges you guys have faced as parents or as a, as a couple here? Sure, sure. Um, this is, man, just a lot to unpack there. Very good question. Um, I would start off by saying... Um, if God is calling you to it, I would can I would encourage you to continue to investigate it. And even if it is just like the prayer I talked about a little bit ago, God, I feel like you are calling me to this. I have no idea even what a missionary. I never met a missionary when I was growing up, so I had no idea what missionaries even did. Um, but just that is in my mind a beautiful prayer. If my daughter were to come to me a day and say, Dad. I feel like God is prompting me to this, but I have no idea what he is saying. I would love to walk through that with her. And so I can't help but think that our good, good father, our heavenly father is sitting up in heaven saying the same thing. Hey, hey, John out there. Hey, Ryan, I'm speaking for myself here. If you have questions about something I'm prompting you, don't you think that you should come to me and talk to me about it instead of going to your friend, instead of going to your pastor, which I know I went to my pastor about some things, which it's not anything wrong with that, but Also, he should be a part of the puzzle. So I would encourage you to just continue to lay it at his feet. And when he does open doors, maybe it's that mission trip, you know, down to help the hurricane relief, or maybe it's that mission trip out West to go to inner city or New York city to, it doesn't actually matter the location because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever and in every location. So if he is prompting you to do something I always tell myself, hey, he didn't prompt me to go on the last three mission trips that the church advertised, but this one he is. Hmm, I wonder if there's something different about that. And then if you're like me, you would say no and not go, but then he'll prompt you to go to another one. Thank you, God, that you are a God of 
um, second chances. But I would just encourage you to say yes when he is prompting. Uh, you also threw in there the piece about the marriage. Um, I would want nobody to come to the mission. I don't want anybody to come to the mission field if both husband and wife are not 100% on board. And I would tell you to wait. So as much as I would tell you to investigate, if you're either single or one spouse, I would tell you to wait as well. If the other spouse is not on board, uh, pray for them, talk to them, uh, have your friends uh, pray over it. And when God is ready, he will put you in agreement to go and do the thing that he has called you to do. And finally, I would tell you, it is the absolute hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Man, we, I thought we had this Americana thing going on. We just were just this little family, a little farming community. Everything was going great. Oh, just rocked our world in more ways than I can count. Uh, but I can also tell you, I wouldn't change a thing about it. I can tell you that same friend. I remember the same friend who has the quote. He walked that first year was the hardest year that I can remember in my life. He walked through it with me on the phone and he would listen to me complain all year long. And he, I remember he finally said, let's say we were eight or nine months and he's finally said, Ryan, what can I do that would actually be helpful for you? And I said, I, I don't think there's anything you can actually do. I think that I just have to walk this road because that's what God's called me to do. And he's turning me into the person he wants me to be. So just you being with me is what you can do. There's nothing you can actually do to take any of the hurt and pain and sorrow away. It's just going to happen. And then you uh, continue walking with me and we will be better men of God and fathers and sons of the one true king. Uh, than we were before. I think I hit all the points of your question. Yeah, man, that's great. I, I want to remind you of a conversation that you and I had. We were standing outside of one of the local comadores, which is like a little restaurant. We were standing, it was it was our trip down here one summer. I think it was the summer, uh, your first, you had just gotten back from your trip home um, from the okay. summer. Yes. And so we had I lunch remember quick. That. Yeah. We were about to go back to the States and my whole family was here and we were talking out in the street and you guys had just come back and we were still in the mode of like praying through, is this something God's calling us to do? Missions was, was part of our story for a long time, but, but actually moving to another place, uh, we weren't, we weren't quite convinced the timing was right, but we were standing there and I said, hey, how was your trip home? Did you enjoy your family? You said, yeah, it was awesome. It was great. We got some rest. And But it was your first time coming back to the DR after yeah. going home yeah. for your girls. And you shared with me at the time that it was a very difficult like departure and flight back to the DR. And you said something that really stuck out in my mind. You said... Yes, we all felt that that moment of like, maybe we'll just stay like, we'll just stay in Ohio. <laughs> we, we'll just yes, we sell everything. Yes. Yeah, like forget the stuff yes. that's in the DR. We're staying here. Um, but you said that you told your girls, um, hey, this is what God has called us to do. This is we're going to be obedient. We're going to do what he's asked us to do. And you got on the plane and you came back, even it was uh, even though it was a really difficult thing to do. And. That stands out to me because I think about your kids. I think about my kids. I think about other missionary kids um, who are, you know, to some extent along for the journey. These are decisions that a lot of times yeah. moms and dads are making, you know, at a higher level. And the kids are like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. But talk about this for a second. Think about Ava. She's 10, right? 
Um, yep. And so her remembering this from a couple summers ago, talk about the impact that that had on her or maybe the prayer that you have for her. Maybe the impact hasn't quite hit yet, but you're, if you're like me, the prayer is there. Man, Lord, I, I want this experience. First of all, I want my kids to be safe and I want them to enjoy it. I want them to you know have an impact and all of that. But at the end of the day, as a parent, I want my kid to see me being obedient to the Lord. So talk about that in that particular story. Maybe it's happened since and in other ways, but talk about how you've seen the impact on your kids, your decision, you and Courtney's decision to follow obediently. How has that impacted them? How, what, what nuggets have they gained through this experience where they're saying, hey, you know, I don't always like this, but my parents are doing what God said? That's a great question. Um, so uh, I think it's more of a hope uh, than anything. I, my, our 10-year-old is just phenomenal. Um, but I look, you know, Courtney right now is leading a Bible study, and we're in this COVID thing, so everybody's on Zoom. And so Courtney doesn't usually get to participate in this Bible study back home. She used to when we lived there, but now the meeting's on Zoom, so she's a part of it, and they've now allowed her to leave. Not allowed, but they've, uh, they've set her up to lead for a while. Um, and so what do you know, a couple of weeks in Ava is talking to me and saying, Hey dad, do you think I have this devotional? Do you think we could buy copies for my friends and I could set up a zoom Bible study with my friends back home and we can go through this book together. And I just thought, man, that is amazing. They see it and then they want to do it. So I look at my three daughters and my hope and my prayer is that God, would you please continue to bless them, protect them from all the negativity that is Ryan's selfishness, but would you bless them with this, this time in our lives so they can see what following you looks like even when it is difficult and still saying yes to God? And it's okay when God asks you to do something difficult. You just step up and do it. So even though I haven't seen, she hasn't said out of her mouth at this time she wants to be a missionary, which if she doesn't be a missionary, I am 100% fine with that. Um, but I can't help but think that God isn't using this time in the same way. I think of the letters that Paul wrote, and he said, look at how I live and imitate that. And I can't help but think a little bit that God is using that the same way in my daughter's lives. Man, mom and dad do difficult things when God asks them to do it. And he always blesses, and he always brings us through. So when I think of what you just said, I, I think of Ava seeing this growing up and it being the norm for her. So that, that, that gets me really excited. Isn't that what ultimately as a parent, as a dad, man, I want, I hope that my life is one that, that my kids would imitate. I hope that there's something coming out of me that is good and wholesome that they want to look up to as an example. And, and that's been an encouragement to us. It's like, man, I, the question I kept asking at the early stage of all this was, am I going to mess up my kids? Like if, if I'm going to haul them across the world sure. and make them go to a new school, new friends, new language, new cult, like, is this going to totally mess them up? And how much is this going to cost me in, you know, therapy bills <laughs> later on? That's a fair that, question. Yeah. But that was a reminder to me. It was like, okay, if, and some other missionary friends we've had that their kids are now grown. He was like, Scott, your kids are watching and yes, they're going to miss things. And yes, it's going to be hard at times. And they're going to be mad at you because they're missing out on stuff back home. But ultimately when they grow up, 
and they realize that mom and dad did the best they could to be obedient, that's the lesson you want them to take. And I was like, okay, all right, I get it. So, man, that's an encouragement. Yeah, I, I love that you and I both here get a chance as dads to to have that type of an impact, not just on our kids, but on our, our walk with our wives and and leading them through that and encouraging them and, and just and holding on to the truth of, of the Scripture. Man, God's with us, and and He's got it. So, man, thanks for sharing. Um, okay, quick questions for you. What would be the most one of the most rewarding things and one of the most difficult things about your experience so far in this journey? Most rewarding? Yeah. You can share two if you want. Uh, and one of the most difficult things. All right. I have uh, two of the most rewarding uh, that, I, that come to mind right off the top. Uh, first of all, that my family has adapted so well. Three years into this, they're still on board with continuing here. Uh, I, I, remember, I remember telling a friend of mine, Patrick, before we left, I said, if I lose my marriage or my relationship with my kids through this endeavor, it'll all be for naught. And it has not been that way. And so I am super grateful. That's something uh, very rewarding. That my family is still 100% on board. Uh, and number two, just being a part of this team called Macarius. These people love Christ with their whole lives. They know that he is their savior and they live like he is their Lord. It is super encouraging to work with these guys. I actually feel like I need to bring my A game every day to work or I am going to fall behind. It is just an amazing group of people. They are a big inspiration for me. Uh, what has been the most difficult? Um, I would say definitely by far is moving away from family. Uh, there are countless angles that I could discuss about that, but by far the hardest thing that we've ever done. Uh, one, one little story that comes to mind for that is um, – when we came back here after our second year, so each year we go home for one month, and then we come back. And um, when we came back after the second, so we, we had been here for two full years, and we were coming back to start our third year here, which we're in our third year now. We sit down on the couch. We got home from the airport that day, and Adele, my middle daughter, sits me down on the couch, and she says, Dad, you, you know, here we have our home, and we have our friends, and we have our school and our church that we go to but we don't have any family here. And she, at that point in time, was five years old. And that is what she was processing. Like the day we landed, it didn't take her two months to process. The day we landed, she realized that. Uh, and that, so that speaks volumes to how awesome our family is when we're home for one month a year. When Adele said that, that really simplified it into the best terms that I could think of. She shared something very deep that day with me. Yeah. That's deep. She's deep. She's a deep thinker. She's got a lot of man, she's got a lot of personality. So I could see that coming out of her mouth and that realization of, yeah, hey, things are cool here, but there's no family. Uh, yeah, that is a tough part. It's and we're just within seven months of being here. And so you're realizing, gosh, the things that you do miss. There's there's moments happening back home. Life events take place all the time that you normally are yep. so close you can run over and be part of. It's like graduation season now. And so, man, we've got friends and kids, uh, friends of our kids that are graduating high school and like, ah, we're just not there. So, yeah, I understand that. And that's tough. You talked about the local staff, our team here, and the, man, just their love and passion for serving the Lord. What's something else you've learned from them? Um, it could be a spiritual principle of some sort or just some life thing, like something that the folks here have taught you about yourself or about life or 
what's important in life. So just any kind of lesson the the local staff or friends you've made here have taught you. I just love how relational um, in general the people are here. I can tell you that living here for three years and a language barrier, I know my neighbors and I know I know more neighbors and I know my neighbors better than I did living five years in the same house on the same street uh, that I did back in Ohio. I just love the relational nature. People sit outside. Life is not nearly as fast and busy here. Life is much slower. And so I just love that. And they, they have changed me for the better for that. I do not walk into conversations anymore and just start firing off questions to get information I need. I start with, Hey, how are you? How are the kids? How, I know your husband had a surgery, you know, a few weeks ago. I didn't ever get an update. How's that? I know your uncle was in the hospital. How, how'd that go? I, I have seen a change in myself that I have become more relational, more focused on people than I am on the task. And I will tell you that by nature, probably by culture, I am more task oriented, but they have helped me see that being more relational is better. And I will tell you, I don't think I get as much done and I am 100% comfortable with that. I think that it is better to do it this way. So I'm very grateful uh, for what they have taught. That's probably a big adjustment for you (laughs) as a task guy. Like, man, I got my to-do list and check, 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 check. And, and allowing those quote unquote interruptions to happen, right? Like it's, that's the, that's the point. That's why you're here. Yeah. There's stuff to get done, but man, the relationships and those divine appointments that God puts in your path is, Hey, your checklist. I don't care so much about that right now. Stop what you're doing. Listen, show some care and concern and compassion and, and, or sit down next to somebody and just have a conversation uh, it is, it's a bit, yes. some people it comes naturally to some people. It's really tough, man. Cause you just got to get stuff done. So I love hearing that cause it is, it's so true here, but the impact on you uh, and your personality is just different. And so, and it's a great learning, a learning tool for you. Um, all right. Other than the people, um, what's something you'd love about living here? It could be something totally superficial, totally random, something about the country, uh, that you just enjoy the Dominican Republic. Give me something. There is a waterfall hike, and it's about 20 minutes from our house, and you just get the hike. Uh, you actually hike up through waterfalls. Uh, there are four of them. They are gorgeous, and it is just a beautiful place to get away for a couple couple of hours. Um, I love to take friends. I love to take coworkers. I love to take whoever I can up and do that hike. Uh, it just it brings me a lot of joy. I've taken my family. Um, so just really appreciate um, connecting uh, just with all of the beauty that God has for us here. Uh, it's a beautiful island. And actually, Ryan, you and I and our friend Webb, one of our other missionary, we went yesterday and did this hike. I think it's the third or fourth time. I think every time I've gone, I've been with you, maybe except once. But uh, it's so beautiful. And to get up there and see, man, the water coming over and and just watching God's creation. I was telling our friend Webb yesterday, he's like, man, can you imagine like this thing God created and how few people in the entire world will ever see it. Like, it's just, yeah, so, you're right. you got to be looking for it. You got to know it's there. You got to make an effort to go see it. 
and just soaking in God's beauty, and we got to do it. And it's like, wow. And yeah, so you can waterfall hike, you can five minutes to the beach, a couple hours, you can be in the mountains. I mean, like, you know, like up in the mountains where the climate's totally different. It's such a beautiful place. Uh, we've enjoyed it as much as you guys have, and uh, can't wait to enjoy yeah. it more. You talked a little bit about this before, just being one of the most difficult things, but in kind of wrapping up, is there something else you miss from home? And again, not family, that, that's given. You've talked about the difficulty of that, but something from the United States, something from Ohio that you're like, man, if I could snap my fingers and be back there at this instant, I would be going to this place, doing this thing, because I miss <laughs> it so much. I think uh, more more than just one one thing to go back to. I, I think what is very interesting for me is when we do go back, um, just all the memories that come back. As I as I drive down, I look at the school I used to teach at, or a school I used to go to, or the house I grew up in, or the street where my grandma and grandpa used to live. Just being surrounded um, by a bunch of great memories and hey, there's where we played baseball when I was in high school. So just to have all those memories come back when I'm here, I don't have any of that. There is no like, oh, remember when we used to? No, everything that's happening here is new memories. And so I, when I go back home and just surround i just remember hey after our football games we would go here you know just everything that ha- we had graduation parties there um just lots of really fun memories to go back and relive when i'm there um so that is definitely i never would have seen that coming before moving here but when we went back that first year i thought oh my goodness i never have this experience in the dominican republic there is none of that years and years of memories they're all new memories, which is not a bad thing. But I really enjoy that when we go back to relive um, just some fun moments that we've experienced over time. That's awesome. Yeah, man, good memories. Getting to go back and revisit places and see people and go to go to restaurants that you don't get to eat here. I mean, I know there's that seems such such a small thing, but gosh, sometimes I crave the Chick Fil A. Uh, or the, you know, the really solid Mexican food that we're, we're used yes. to in Texas. And so, um, yeah, and just the memories, the experiences that you had um, are different. So, all right, tell us how, as we're wrapping up, tell us how anybody listening to this, maybe you're listening and you just met Ryan and his family through this story. Maybe you've been friends with the Ryan and Courtney for a while and you're listening to this just to kind of be refreshed about their story and to check in on things. Uh, Ryan, how can people follow your journey? Is there a newsletter, an email thing? How can people connect with you to stay in touch with you guys? Yes, Scott. Great question. I can get you a link so that you can post it here with the podcast where somebody could go on and subscribe to our newsletter. It comes out approximately quarterly. So if they wanted to follow, that would be a great way to do so. Awesome. You guys on social media? You know, we don't do any social media. I feel like I'm so behind the times. But uh, it's actually it's actually a really good thing. So stay away from it if you can. No. Okay. So here's the deal, y'all. We'll put the the link in the show notes. You can look at this later on your on Apple iTunes or if you're on the website listening to this. It'll be there on the same page under show notes. We're also going to link uh, anything on there that would help you connect with Ryan and Courtney. Reach out to them. Subscribe to their newsletter. Stay up to date with what's going on. Put them on your prayer list and their kids. Uh, so Ryan, Courtney, Ava, Adele, and Elise. Put them on your prayer list. Pray for them often. 
it's such a privilege to serve with you, man. I, I remember, so having been on staff now personally two and a half years, most of which was spent from Houston, Texas, working from there, uh, you and I talked all the time on the phone, and you were here yeah. just grinding away at your job and being the principal, taking over this new role and and really transitioning so many things and culture and learning. And, man, we used to talk all the time, and you'd say, I can't wait. Maybe one day we'll get to be in the same place working together. And I was like, yeah, probably not. We'll just talk on the phone because, <laughs> again, we weren't ready for that. But, man, it's such a privilege to be here serving with you on the island. You've become a great friend, a great colleague, a fantastic leader. It's a privilege for me to serve with you. And, and our offices are really right down the hall. So that's been such a fun thing, even though we're in the middle of coronavirus stuff and we actually haven't been in the office that much. But I can't wait to do that. So thanks for sharing, man. Uh, thanks for encouraging us. Again, you guys reach out, connect with them, subscribe, follow their journey, pray for them. And uh, Ryan, any last thoughts, anything you want to add before we go? I think I'm good. It's a privilege to serve alongside you as well, Scott, you and the family. All right. Hey, thanks again, Ryan. We appreciate you. We'll see you soon, buddy. Okay. Take care. I am so encouraged by Ryan and Courtney's story. Every time I hear that, I, I just love it. It's such, again, it's just evidence of the unique way that God has called each person into uh, this relationship and in, in some cases into a ministry or a mission role. Look, here's the thing, though. It's not that God is going to call every single person to move across uh, the country to another country, across the ocean, to be a missionary or to be in full-time ministry. That's not the point. The point is this willingness, as Ryan talked about, to say, all right, Lord, hey, I've never thought about that. That totally goes against everything I had planned and my my view and my idealistic plans of life here in small town Ohio, but if you're leading us to it, then we want to be ready to obey if you say so. And and that's the lesson I think we can take away from it. It may be something completely different in your life. What is God's God putting on your heart? What God's maybe calling you to in your in your career, in your family life in general, maybe something completely different. But it's an issue of being ready and willing to follow. And then you'll see, as his story indicates, and as all these stories of these missionaries have told us, is it's a step-by-step process where we say, okay, Lord, show us what you want us to do next. It's that, it's that illustration he talked about on the palm of his hand from getting from where you are now to where God's trying to get you. And in between there, there are steps that God has to get you to first so that you can see just a little bit more of the picture and be willing to follow next. And and I just want to encourage you with that. I hope that Ryan and Courtney's story, I hope all of these stories have really uh, challenged you and encouraged you to consider what is it that God might be calling us to do or calling you to do, and what is the very next step I can take in obedience and trust him as he reveals what's next from there. So before we go, I want to give you a quick challenge. This is something we've done at the end of each episode, just to encourage you to take this story, something that you learned along the way, and apply it. So here you go. Think of your own life in your story, uh, a moment of obedience. It could have been a small thing as you look back. Maybe at the time you didn't recognize it as that, or maybe it was a big step of obedience. And think of that, but then find somebody to share it with as a way to encourage them. Because everybody, I think, is is struggling at some point in their in their walk with the Lord, and maybe those that are listening who 
who may not have a relationship with Jesus, and you're still trying to figure all of that out, and maybe your first step of obedience is to to, to surrender your life to him and to accept uh, his gift of grace and, and what he's done for you on the cross and his life, death, resurrection. Maybe that's the first step for you, and uh, you need to be encouraged along the way in that. Whatever it might be, who can you share that with? We challenge you this week to think of somebody. Give them a call, send them an email, write them a note. Tell them a story of what God has done in your life and how your choice to obey uh, made a big difference for you. I think it'll encourage you as you reflect back on it, and it will also encourage somebody else who may be looking to do the same in their own life. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this series so far, Missionaries of the Caribbean. We love sharing our stories. Uh, I've loved sharing Ryan's with you this time, and we hope that you'll continue to listen. Uh, We have new episodes coming soon. Stay tuned. Subscribe if you haven't yet. Share these with your friends on social media. Pass it along to somebody who might be encouraged by it. Review us if you can. Send us some comments. Send us your feedback. Send us an email. Scott at so much more dot me. Scott at so much more dot me. Go to our website, so much more dot me at any time to look at the show notes from previous episodes, to catch up on our first series on marriage if you haven't listened to it. We've got great stuff coming to you. We're going to do some stuff on parenting. We're going to hear from kids. We're going to talk about life. So until then, take care of yourself. Thanks for listening. And may God bless you and remind you that he can be trusted with your life. Take care.